Hello everyone, wherever you're watching around the world today, throughout the week, uh, as we are getting to be here gathered together, we are celebrating Memorial Day weekend. And once again, we said it earlier, but we want to say thank you to all of our Gold Star families who may be watching around the world. Uh, your family is part of the sacrifice that was given. Uh, and so we just want to celebrate that, celebrate you, and say thank you. Because what we have been doing throughout these this series, we started it last week. Uh, we're continuing it today, and we're calling. Uh, we're learning how to live a life of calling, learning how to live a life on the firm foundation that is Christ. And last week we talked about holding up and how we are held up by Christ. And so today we're going to talk about faith. Cue George Michael. No, 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 no. I mean, I, I have no doubt that we could pull that off. So we're going to be talking about faith today, faith today, faith. Why are we talking about this? It's so important as we talk about this, uh, specifically even today, uh, we're going to have a little bit of teaching today. So if y'all are okay with that, we're going to dive a little deeper than we normally dive today, and I'm excited for that. But the reason we're talking about faith today is I would ask you this. What is the center of Christianity, if anyone asks you? Could you dictate that? Could you say that? Could you put into words that? As a matter of fact, what, what would be the scripture that you would carry with you when everything was crashing around and all that was left was your foundation? The foundation that you built your life on. What would that look like? See, many would say today what we're going to be walking through in Romans 3 is what they would carry with them, is what they would do. This is, the, this is the scripture that they would build their life on. This is what they would know is the firm foundation that they have because it is literally what helps them put into words their faith. And so wherever you are right now, that's what we're going to be diving into. So if you've got your Bible, let's go ahead and get to Romans 3. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one free for the asking over in our garden area. Also, uh, I say it every week because I'm so thankful. Vine production team always will make sure wherever you're watching around the world, you can see the scripture on the screen. But as always, you can follow along with us on our free Vine Church app. Go to the vine.tv slash app. It's going to ask for your telephone number. It'll shoot you a direct link where you can have all the scripture we're going to walk through. We actually have a prayer wall on there where we try to pray over each other, even in chaos before the service. And throughout the week, you can join us in that. Find all about the vine, but also you can take personal notes. And so today, we're going to be talking about faith. We're going to talk about how we get this faith on this firm foundation that we build our life on. What do we have to do to get it? And the reason that we're going into Romans 3 today is that uh, we've actually been walking through Romans on Thursday nights, if you've been gathering with us, or you can watch online if Facebook hasn't copyright matched something that seems to be what's happening here. They probably flagged me for saying that. But wherever you are, you can see we're walking through uh, Romans. Romans is such a great, great book that Paul wrote to the Roman church. And just really quickly, so you know what's going on, it may feel like where we are in life right now. Ro uh, Roman church is... Uh, Gentile converts, okay? There are not a lot of Jewish converts in the Roman church. Paul is writing this, and he spends three and a half chapters talking about our hopelessness, our helplessness, our brokenness, our shame, our guilt, and where we are. So just think about that. He spent three chapters. So if I were to talk to you about Romans 1 and 2 right now, you probably would feel even more beat up than you feel right now. But all of a sudden, where we're going to pick up is Romans 3.21, it shifts. All of a sudden, the gospel message is here. And the reason that this is important is maybe right now in the season that we're in, I mean, let's just be real. We hear about where we are in our country. We, 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 see, we see mass shootings happening. We see uh, COVID that just got, now we hear about this thing uh, called elephant pox. 
I'm just kidding. It's monkey pox, whatever it is. I, I just know about the chicken pox. That's and I got it, obviously. Uh, so like, uh, we, we know about it. And we have all of these things and it seems like everything is crashing around us. And the world is looking to us, the church, and saying, what, what do you have to offer? What is it that you can give? And so Paul is writing to the Roman church saying, hey, in spite of all of this craziness, hopelessness, helplessness, and darkness going around, I want to share with you the gospel. I want to share with you what God has done for you. And this is what we're going to talk about today in Romans 3 and our time together. So Romans 3, we're going to start in verse 21. And we're going to work through how we get this faith. And so for some of us, it's going to be a great reminder, I believe. Some of us who are in Christ Jesus, it's a reminder today of what our faith is built on. Others of us may be discovering for the first time who Jesus is. Maybe you're kicking the tires of who Jesus is and you're joining us. Maybe you're a skeptic of Christ. We're so thankful you are here because I'll tell you, if you hang to the end, Jesus has something for you because there's a reason he's having you watch. So if you're with me, give me an amen. There we go. We're going to dive deep today, y'all. A little bit of teaching today, a little bit of Thursday night stuff that I normally do on Thursdays, but bringing it here because Memorial Day is a perfect time for us to walk through this. So all of a sudden, Romans 3.21 says this, but now, okay, we'll pause. It's going to take me three hours to get through this, but now. So Paul's like, hey, here's what's happened. You're, you're a hopeless, narcissistic wreck of a human being, wreck of a soul, destined for hell, destined for death because of sin. You are marked by sin. You are dark. There is nothing in you that is, is good. But now, but now, in other words, all of this has happened and you have all of this hopelessness, but now there's something that has changed. There's a page that has been flipped, but now God has done something about it. But now, the gospel is about to be proclaimed. Paul is saying everything humans you have done in religion to try to make up for your salvation, to try to hold up your salvation is wrong. But now, that should be hopeful. But now God has done something about it. What if all of a sudden when you go to the doctor, they say, hey, this is an awful diagnosis. But now we can do something about it. How much relief is that? So much relief. Many of us have medical diagnoses we're struggling with, and we're asking God to move. When we hear those words, but now, there should be this hope that we know he is in control. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This is what Paul is saying. The righteousness of God, the covenant faithfulness of God has been made known throughout the entire Bible. This is what Jesus did on the road to Emmaus. If you remember, he is standing there and Cleopas is there and they're saying, did you not see what happened in Jerusalem? They crucified our savior and now he is in a tomb and we don't know what to do. And he stands there and he testifies to the law and the prophets. If you want to go back and read that, that is what it's talking about. So in other words, Paul is saying everything in the Bible points to the center of what Christianity is. It points to Jesus. It points to Jesus. Everything. Verse 22. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. This is so important. What is Paul is saying here is the promise of God for the Jewish people was to believe to be only in the heirs of Abraham. All right? God made a promise to Abraham. He's like, listen, you want to talk about some craziness in the Bible? If you think the Bible's boring, yo, Abraham, you're 100 years old. So is your wife. Guess what? You're going to have a kid. 
In South Carolina, we call that a Strom Thurmond. But anyway, it's all right. Wherever you are, you get a giggle of that. You can look back at that later. You can laugh about that. But 100 years old, and it's like, hey, guess what? Uh, parents who aren't 100, you already know how much lack of sleep you get with a child for the 18-plus years and more that they're going to be there with you. Like, you already know, especially when they're little, the lack of sleep. So imagine you're 100 years old. Man, I'm in my 30s and my knees hurt. Like, I can't imagine that 100 years old was going to happen. Like, 100 years old and you're going to have a baby. So God said, hey, your sons will be blessed through this promise. And so Jesus comes, and now that promise is available to all. Paul is saying, through Christ, we all have it. So let's make this, this so, so clear. Paul is going to lay some foundations here, and then we're going to get to probably the most offensive verse in the Bible here in a moment, which I love, the most offensive verse. Paul is saying, Jesus has come. The person and work of Jesus Christ is what God has done. And because of that, we get to be his righteousness. So I just want to put all my cards on the table. Many of us may have grown up somewhere in religion. And religion will tell you that the only way you are justified, the only way you are righteous before God is, is, uh, is uh, memorizing the Torah. That's what the Jewish people, that's what, memorize the Torah, that's it. You have your first confirmation, you have your first communion, you have your first baptism. After the baptism, maybe you believe in penance or the sacraments. That is how you are justified. Some would even move to say, as you look to Dante, you would say, perhaps purgatory is it. And as you go through purgatory, then that is what's going to be made righteous. But Paul is putting all of that to shame to say, no, 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 no. You're only made righteous through Christ Jesus because it's not your righteousness but his. And that should be freeing. So now that I haven't quite offended you yet and I've got real nerdy, we're going to get real deep here, and I love this, so we're going to get real deep, and I'm going to give you the most offensive verse in the Bible, Romans 3.23. For Tyler has sinned and falls short. That's it. It only says Tyler. No, no, no. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. We're all on a level playing field. All of us. But I haven't broken the Ten Commandments. The rage at waiting for the hot and now sign to come on at Krispy Kreme is the same as murder, according to Jesus. So, all of us have sinned. If you don't believe you have sinned, have a toddler. Because I promise you that it's about them, not about you. All right? This is the most offensive verse in the Bible because it says, hey, the Bible's not about me. All of this has, it's not about me. This whole thing is not about me. It's about the glory of God being revealed. It's about God's glory. It's about his righteousness and how Christ Jesus came for us through that. So all of us really quick, Dallas Willard, who's passed away, said it this way, and it's the best example I can give of it. All of us would say and all of us would admit that we've lied. How many of us would say we've lied? Now, let me ask you this. How many of us would call ourselves liars? A liar, yes. Not many. See, in other words, we know there's sin, but we don't want to call ourselves sinners. Because then I got to do something about it. And then if I think I got to do something about it, we will spend our whole life thinking I have to do something about it. And Paul is pointing to say, no, 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 no. Faith is what you have to do about it. Jesus has already done it. That's what we have to hold on to. And so that is, that is the most, that, that is it. So see, right now in the world we live in, I'm just going to be real with you. I'm just, I'm putting my cards on the table and I just want to be honest. We got a sin issue. It's been going on since the garden. Right now we are consumed with self and we think that it's new and it reveals itself. 
It reveals itself in the world and the chaos that we live in. It reveals itself in a politician and promise. It reveals itself in horrible things happening at schools. It reveals itself in horrible things even happening in the church. That is how. It's a sin issue. And if it's a sin issue, we have the hope of the gospel. So church, I just want to say, because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, as Paul is about to point out even more, this is our time. This is our time to be the light. This is it. Jesus made us for such a time as this. Like, this is where we get to point to him. And the thing is, either we'll rise up to it or we'll hope the next generation does. And I don't know about you, but as long as there's a breath in me, I'm going to keep rising up to it. Because if a hundred-year-old man in the Old Testament can have a son, then my goodness, he can do so much more through me. I'm going to be real with you. And so wherever you are right now, understand that Jesus has done something. God has done something. Because once we realize we have a word for sin, the most dangerous thing in the world is to not have a word for sin. It's to call it something else. To call it success. To call it uh, victimhood. To call it uh, uh, they hate me. To call it uh, whatever it is. To call it anything but sin. Because once we know it's sin, then we're either going to fully surrender to Christ Jesus or fully reject him. That's it. Verse 24, Paul goes on to say, for all of sin, this most offensive verse in the Bible, for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So you get really offended, but once again, like verse 21, but now God has done something about it. This redemption, redemption, like when you go to the grocery store right now, don't be honest, you can do it. Don't get mad about it. I'm going to go ahead and put it on, put it on the table. When you go to the grocery store and you redeem a coupon it means that it paid a price for you right like it's a legal transfer if you got a coupon for two dollars off of seventy dollar chicken you get it for 68 bucks right like it's what it is right like that's where you are you redeem it that's what has happened through jesus a legal transfer has happened we have been redeemed through him not because of what we have done a legal transfer of salvation through christ comes to us there's something legally happening. So how do we get this faith? How does this, what do we build this faith on? What's the first thing we need to have this faith? And it's a great reminder today, God's grace. God's grace. We sing songs and we wonder what we say, God shed his grace on thee, right? Like we talk about this. We sing these songs in our country. And I wonder the last time that we really said that and meant it. I wonder if we got back to the gospel in the, in this country and we could share it with the world. I'm not talking about a theocracy. I'm talking about a kingdom that is built on Jesus Christ. What if we did that? How much different would we see this world change for him instead of worrying about the next legislative thing, the next court decision, the next inflation crisis. All I know is about the, my tires are pretty inflated and I don't like when they're deflated. I don't know about you, but I like them being there. What if we just rested it on Christ? See, here's the thing about God's grace. We did nothing to earn it. When I tell you that this is about God, not about you and I, it's about God. And it's not about you and I. We, we love, 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 love to make the Bible about us. And I will tell you, if that is where you are and you are trying to save yourself, it will absolutely crush you because that's what the law does. The law crushes you. That's why Jesus came. So maybe that's where you are right now. We've done nothing to deserve God's grace. When I talk about God's unmerited favor and God's grace, God is just God. He is a righteous God. Sin cannot be in his presence. 
I will share this in a moment, but I'm going to say it now. I'm just going to put it out there. God does not negotiate his righteousness because of our sin. There must be a price paid for it. And that's a pin drop moment for us because we can never pay the price. It's like I, I, it's ex, I, I've ran out of credit. My card is declined. I've ran out of, I can't pay for this. But now God done something for it. He's done something for us through Christ Jesus. See, right now, when I say God's grace, I just want to be honest with you. Right now, maybe you're watching online and, and, and you haven't been to church in a while. It's easy to get out of the habit. Two years of COVID, two years of everything. Uh, and maybe you've left the church because of Christians, right? You left because of Christians. Hey, I'll be honest with you. I'll be real with you. The hardest people I work with in real estate are professing Christians. I'm just going to put it out there. I'm just going to put it out there. They are hardest people. Uh, and I'm sure I'm hard to work with. But you know what it's a reminder of? How we all need God's grace. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing about God's grace. If you come to this church thinking that I can save you, I'll let you down every time. If you come to this church thinking that only I have a word for you, I'll let you down every time. If you come to church or any church thinking that the worship team is going to give you the word of God, you will be let down because all that we do points to Jesus. Anything good you get from this is Christ and Christ alone. And that is what we are built on. We are all. So I just want to say, if you keep going to churches and saying, I've been let down by, from Christians, I've been let down by Christians, so I won't go back, I want to tell you, heaven's going to suck. I'm just going to be real with you because it's going to be full of Christians. So why not learn to love it here? Why not see that it's built on Christ? Why not see that everything we do is to point to Jesus it's not about us. It's not about our name in shining lights. It's not about what we do. It's not about a brick on the pavement with our name on it. It's about Jesus. It's about a foundation built on him. And so when we talk about God's grace, I just want to ask you this. Perfect example at Memorial Day. How many of us paid for that beach at Normandy to be stormed? How many of us paid for that soldier that died on that beach? But how many of us live with the benefit of that happening? That's God's grace. I didn't pay for that soldier to get. You say, well, you haven't seen my tax bill. Well, well, whatever. We won't get into the semantics there. I didn't pay for that soldier going to Normandy and dying. But I get to live in the freedom that that soldier died for me to have. That's God's grace. Unmerited, unearned. We didn't do anything to deserve it. Yet through Christ Jesus, we get to have it. Let's look at 25 and 26. Man, thank you, Jesus, for today. Uh, 25 and 26. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Huge. Before we get to the second thing, huge. Look at, here's, another, here's another accounting term. We talked about this the other Thursday night, so it's a great reminder. Here's another accounting term. We hear this thrown about right now. Forbearance forbearance. Let me ask you something. Is there a difference in forbearance and forgiveness? Yes. Forbearance means I delayed the payment for. Forgiveness means it's paid in full. So when you hear those buzzwords thrown around right now, the issue is many would say they've been in forbearance for payments for three years and they are searching for forgiveness, right? God had, he put in forbearance the sins committed before Christ came so that all could experience 
his forgiveness. Forgiveness. So forbearance, delayed payment, forgiveness, paid in full. Okay? Christ came for our forgiveness so that our debt for sin was paid in full. Verse 26, he did it to demonstrate his righteous at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So after we understand God's grace to have this faith, we have to understand the sacrifice of atonement. I said it a second ago, the sacrifice of atonement, okay? In other words, I said it a second ago, God does not negotiate his righteousness or he would not be a just God. If God was impartial towards us for our sin, then he could not restore righteousness. He could not be just, could he? And we want justice. We want a good judge. We, 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 want, and, 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 uh, we, we want him to be impartial instead of partial, right? Like we want him to, to understand, like for us, what we have to know is sin cannot be in the presence of God. It must be killed. Therefore, for us and our sin to be in the presence of God, we must die which would defeat the purpose of being in the presence of God, which we were created to do. So God did something about it. Jesus came as our sacrifice of atonement. He came so that that was paid for. So in other words, uh, we are saved from God by God in the person and work of Jesus. That is huge. So in other words, God didn't just say, I reject you. I'm thinking of terrible, like, bad movies or something where I reject you, get out. I don't even know where that's coming from. You will probably give me a movie reference later, but out of my sight, maybe, hey, we'll go Seinfeld. No soup for you. God didn't just go no soup for you and move on. He said, I'm going to do something about it. So much so he came down here for us in Christ. Like, I don't know, like, think about that. That soldier that stormed that beach went down to that beach to go up, to go up that bulkhead to set Europe free so that, so that others could experience freedom. That's what Jesus did. He steps down so that we all can experience freedom. This sacrifice of atonement. I'm going to get some really crazy words really quick. I'm getting too excited. Really crazy words. If you have this, I learned correct how to say it. I said it wrong my whole life. Uh, I, 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 did, I said it wrong my whole life. I learned how to say it correctly the other Thursday. Propitiation. I called it propitiation my whole life, so that's why everybody looked at me cross-eyed, but that's all right. It's just how I grew up. So propitiation, if you've got an NKJV or KJV, that's what you see in these scripture, in these verses. Propitiation. What does propitiation mean? Propitiation is taken out a lot of times. Propitiation means that the demands of justice were satisfied. So Christ was our propitiation. He satisfied the demands of justice. In other words, he took on God's full wrath for our sin. He satisfied that. He was our substitute. So propitiation, God made us right. Jesus made us right with God vertically. But then we have this thing called expiation. I know, big words, good times. Expiation. Here's how you can, here's how you can spell that. Remember growing up, immigrant with an I means into, immigrant with an E means out of. So we have immigration into our country, and we have immigration out of our country, so it doesn't help unless somebody uses it in a sentence. So expiation literally means out of. So not only did Jesus pay the full price for our sin, he removed our sin. He pulls our sin out of us by his sacrifice of atonement. So he satisfies. So in other words, when Psalm says, as far as the east is from the west, we sing songs about it. God has, for, has forgiven our sin. It's only through Christ that that happens. So he pulls our sins out of us. So he is our pro 
propitiation. He is our propitiation. And he is our expiation. So he has satisfied the demands of justice. He has pulled sins out of us, but he is also our imputation. Not amputation. I'm giving you some SAT word. Y'all should crush the SAT this, this week, wherever you take it. I don't know. The imputation. So now he has, he, has, he has paid the price for our sin. He has pulled sin out of us, and he has replaced it. He has imputed his victory upon us. He has put that inside of us through the Holy Spirit. Why is all of this important when we talk about the sacrifice of atonement? We didn't have to pay it. By God's grace. Not anything we did or paid for. Think about that. Jesus said what on the cross? It is what? Finished. So in other words, this sacrifice of atonement. See, here's the other thing we get caught in when it comes to religion. We love Jesus plus. We love Disney plus, Hulu plus, Netflix plus, uh, cable bill plus. I don't know. Whatever it is. Plus, plus, plus. I got my gas bill plus. Like, we love the plus. The plus sounds good, right? Unless you talk about my clothes, I don't know. But it's plus, like we love that, right? Plus, plus. And because we love that, we love to say, well, the sacrifice of atonement, it's Jesus plus serving. Jesus plus tithing. Jesus plus praying. Jesus plus reading the word. That ain't it. I'm just going to tell you right now, that ain't it, chief. It's Jesus. Jesus alone. No plus. Nothing added. If anything had to be added, Paul is saying his sacrifice was worthless. In other words... If we keep adding to what, how we have freedom here in a country, the sacrifice of those who have gone before us was worthless. And if that's important, how much more is the sacrifice that Jesus did to atone for our sins? That is what the world needs. Not a handout, not a new job, not another zero in the bank account because we're learning however many zeros you have before the decimal don't matter anymore. It doesn't matter. What happens in verse 27 to 31? Man, I'm railing today. It's hot. We're good. Jesus, I believe you're moving. So here we go. 27 to 31. What does Paul say? Where then is boasting? It is excluded. Because of what law? The law that requires works? No, because the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith. Huge. Justified by faith. It's not your faith that justifies you. You are justified by Christ through faith in him. Huge. In other words, before we keep going, none of us have anything just inside of us until Christ Jesus. He is just. He stands before God for When God sees us in Christ Jesus, he sees his son. Otherwise, if he looked upon us, we'd be full of sin. We're as good as dead. Justified by faith. It's his righteousness. It's Christ's righteousness. It's a huge deal. We have to understand that. So in other words, stop earning salvation. Stop working for it. It doesn't mean that you don't do works. James talks about faith and works, but he's saying, hey, I will show you my faith by my works. And people think Paul and James are fighting. They're not. They're saying the same thing. Paul is saying, hey, once you have real faith, when you understand that Christ has justified you, you will work for his kingdom to be built. James is saying it a different way. Same thing. You don't work to show your faith. Your faith makes you work. Big difference. That's what Paul is writing here. Requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. 
Or is the God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too. Now, I'm going to stop here, and I will say most of the time you know me, I would say I'm a Peter guy, but I love that Paul does this. He goes straight David in here, and he goes back and forth, and this is the conversation Tyler has in his head a lot of times. Is God the God of Jews only? No. No, he's not. He's not the God of, is he not the God of Gentiles? Yeah, yes, he's a God of Gentiles too. That's what's in my brain. Like it's back and forth. So y'all have to know, you see it. But that Paul is even having this discussion in a letter, a written letter. He could have edited it and he didn't. A written letter to the Roman church. He is saying, hey, he's not just God of the Jews. He's God of the Gentiles. Remember the promise. We are all heirs of the promise through Christ. And he says this in verse 30, since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. We up, rather, we uphold the law. In other words, Paul is saying, because of Christ who has fulfilled the law for us, we live out the law through Christ and our works. All right? So once we understand the grace of God, we understand the sacrifice of atonement of Christ Jesus, we have to understand to have this faith, to have this life built on Christ, we have to, has to be received by faith in order to be this justification. So God's grace allows us through Christ Jesus' sacrifice of atonement to live out this faith, this received by faith. This is what we say is the center of Christianity. And here's the thing, when I say faith, this is what we mean. Faith means literally that we place our trust in Christ's righteousness, not our own, all right? So our righteousness leads to death. Our righteousness says, I ran the red light because I had some work because I was running late to church, all right? We will justify that and we'll try to be righteous. Uh, righteousness said they deserved that me giving them the number one sign on the way to church this morning. Uh, they deserved getting honked at for the hot and now sign at Krispy Kreme. They deserved this. It, our righteousness will always point back to us. But when we are putting our faith in Christ and his righteousness, it'll always point to him. So in other words, when we stand before God, we don't have to point out our righteousness. It's Christ's righteousness that is revealed in us. As, as you, you hear later, we are clothed in Christ's righteousness. And here's the problem that happens when it's about our righteousness. Man, we love being the hero of every story, don't we? Right now, we all have scenarios with the terrible tragedy that just happened. Every school shooting, everybody says, this is exactly what I would do in that situation. And I want to tell you, you don't know until you've been there. You don't know what you would have done. I love to believe what we would have done, but you really don't. Now, I would tell you, and I'll be real, I will tell you right now, if it came between family, if it came between these babies here, you can put a bullet in my head because I'm going to do everything I can to go fight for them. But I don't know until I'm there. When we go to the Bible, we love being the hero of the story. God, we love being David going against Goliath, don't we? I got to go pick up my five smooth stones. It points to the grace of God. I'm, I'm going to be David, but I'm going to let you in on a secret. David wasn't even David when he faced Goliath. He was pointing to Jesus. You know who we were? The Israelite cowards in the hills hoping and praying for salvation, shaking with our knees and bones quaking. Oh, man, I, I would, oh, man, I'd love to be Elijah, calling down fire on Mount Carmel and all those, those, those prophets of Baal and, and, and Jezebel. I mean, I just, mm, like that's, I would love to be Elijah, and I just want to tell you, Elijah wasn't even Elijah in that moment. He's pointing to Jesus. Maybe we were the servants filling the troughs with water, but more than likely we were dancing around praying for God to be a genie in a bottle, hoping that he answered our prayer like the prophets of Baal were. That's who we are in the story. 
And that's hard. It's hard for us to, it's hard for us to swallow. We don't want to believe that. We don't want to think that's who we are. But see, the thing is, when we keep making ourselves the hero of the story, we miss it. But when Jesus, it's all about him, we gain it all. And that's what it's all about. When I talk about, when we talk about Memorial Day, when we talk about what this is, what better way to talk about Christ Jesus and, and how we can have this righteousness through faith? Because here's the thing, once you know about this faith, you got to do something with it. I would rather you watch online, I would rather you casually be here and tell me I'm a peddler of lies and there's no way this Jesus existed than to show up once a month, once a week, and go out tomorrow and act like what we don't do. Act like what we do doesn't matter. Act like what we are talking about and who we are pointing to doesn't matter. That's what Paul is talking to to the Roman church. Church, this is our time. This is it. This is, Jesus is what the world is searching. We were searching for him. And it's living itself out in terrible ways. But those terrible ways have been happening since the garden. But he's, he, he is asking us to move, invite, invest. Is what we do matter? Do, does what we do matter? Because if it does, I will tell you that's why the early church spread. That's why the early church spread. We face literally no persecution compared to them. This is our moment, and I'm not beating you up with it. Jesus convicts me up with it daily to say, hey, did what I do matter? Does the cross matter? Because I know you believe it, but does your neighbor believe it? Have you pointed your neighbor to it? This is the moment we get to live in. This is what we get to do as a church. This is what Christ died for. And this is what is the beauty of it. Because right now you may say, man, I've screwed that up. Well, here's your opportunity not to. Here's the perfect opportunity to point to him. Here's the perfect opportunity to point to how a Memorial Day sacrifice and what we celebrate as a nation points to the true sacrifice of Christ Jesus, points to, to, to laying down his life for us. And so to, to, to bring it home a little bit, uh, I talked to you about Dallas Willard a second ago. I'm going to give you an old pastor story, and, and I'm, I believe it's going to rail in. It's definitely going to make sense that it's an old pastor story, so hang in here with me. Uh, so imagine you're in an ice cream shop already. You can tell. It's dated. I know. You're in an ice cream shop. Little boy walks in, saved his money. He's been cutting lawns. Uh, with scissors, because I guess lawnmowers hadn't been invented. I don't know. So just make up whatever you do. He's been saving his money. He goes in. He's all smiles. School's out for the summer. And he's like, I want two scoops of ice cream. I've been saving my money. It's two scoops of ice cream. The waitress goes, plops down the two scoops of ice cream, gives it to the little boy, goes to ring it up, and says it'll be $2. Inflation. It's a beast. It'll be $2. His bottom lip starts whimpering, and he starts crying, and he says, I only have a dollar. Now, you're in the store with that kid. What are you going to do? What is a good person normally going to I'm going to find a dollar, and I'm going to pay for that kid to get As a matter of fact, I'm probably going to pay the $2 if I can, so that kid can take his dollar and go on, right? Like, that's what we would do. We would, we would do that in the story. Now, imagine something else happens in that ice cream shop. Imagine you're in the ice cream shop. You see the little boy run in. He goes behind the counter. He grabs an ice cream cone, plops two scoops down on that cone, and runs out the door. All of a sudden, what happens then? How do you feel about that? The waitress comes back. It's like, what just happened? Like, what in the world's going on? And, the, and you, 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 know, you say the, the little boy just stole two things of ice cream, and all of a sudden, you're getting your ice cream and a 
cop comes in with a little boy and says, I think I found the person who stole the ice cream. Now, what would you do? Yes, you want to pay the $2 for the kid. You don't, I mean, it's $2. Let's be real. That's what we'd all justify. Like, ah, it's $2. I'm going to pay that $2 for the kid. But you know what the police officer is going to tell the waitress? You don't have to accept that. Why? Because the law has been broken. So even in your goodness to pay for that child to not be punished by the law, there's nothing you can do. The righteous and just thing to do is the child to be punished. As hard as that sounds and as hard as that is, that's, that's where we are. You see, we want to believe we're the waitress. We actually want to believe we're the good person in the story. But all of us were that child who went behind that ice cream counter and stole two scoops of ice cream and ran out the door and hoped nobody caught us. That's what sin is. It's a breaking of the law. And a breaking of the law has a consequence, and its consequence is death. But God didn't leave us that way. He said, I want to give you more than two scoops of ice cream. I want to give you freedom from your sin. I want to give you freedom from the law that will break you, that only points to me. And that's for each and every one of us to understand. That's who we are in our brokenness. It's not, it is not shaming or self-deprecating to say that we are sinners in need of a Savior. As a matter of fact, it's the most freeing thing that we could ever admit. So Paul says, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 reminds us the wages of that sin is death, but look, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so how do we have that? Well, Romans 10.9 reminds us, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What does all of this mean? Jesus took what we deserved for our sin so that we could have what he deserved for his righteousness. All you have to do is receive that and trust that and believe that. And that is what faith is. Placing your faith in his righteousness, not yours. This is why we do what we do each and every week. So wherever you are right now, I'm going to ask every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed. And we're going to pray this prayer out loud as a family. It's not the words of this prayer that saves you. It is the faith. Faith. It's faith. It's faith in Christ's righteousness, not your own. It's faith. It's faith. It's not just a profession of faith. It's a possession of faith. It is trusting that Christ has imputed his victory into you. It is trusting that Christ has expiated your sin. He will remove your sins from you through his sacrifice of atonement, his propitiation, his fulfilling the demands of justice, taking God's full wrath for our sins. That is what we are praying and what we are saying. That is the words of faith. So with every head bow and every eye closed, please repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe you came live the perfect sinless life I couldn't live, die the death I deserve, paying the penalty for my sins on the cross, but love me enough not to stay dead, but rose again on the third day so that I may have life. Come take over my life. Lord, teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life the best way I know how. 
with every head bow and every eye closed, if you're watching online or you're in the house, I'm going to ask you on the count of three to boldly raise your hand if it's the first time that you have given your life to Christ, the first time that you have placed your faith in His righteousness, not yours. If that is you, one, two, three. Would you raise your hand? If you're in the house, if you are online watching, you may see a hand that's raised. Would you click on that? If you're listening throughout the week or you're watching on social media, leave us a comment. And this is why we do that, is we want to celebrate with you. This isn't the finish line. This isn't fire insurance to hell. This is the starting block of you being who you were created to be. We want to help you get into a local church so that you are plugged in to grow to be all that God created you to be. And for the rest of us, you can look up at that. Uh, right now, we're about to step into worship. And I, and I hope and pray today was a reminder for each and every one of us about God's, God's unmerited favor and grace, about Christ's sacrifice of atonement for us, and how we have received it by faith. While we have placed our righteousness in Him. It's not Jesus plus, it's only Jesus. Would you stand and sing as we lift His name high?
can't we celebrate we're a child of God? It's not all about our righteousness and not about our works. It's not about what we can do, but we can rest in what Christ has done and continues to do through us. So that's what we could do. So if you're going out right now, maybe you need prayer. I'm just going to be honest. I know we're in a heaviness of a season. Maybe you need prayer. Maybe you need someone to talk to. We would love to do that. Leave us a comment. Shoot us a message inside the app or go to prayer at thevine.tv. You can shoot us an email. We would love to do that. But also, just want to invite you to join us next week. Not only do we have a seat saved for you, we have tons of pre-diabetes over in the garden saved for you. Have an awesome week and join us next week as we continue Firm Foundation.